Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? You guys doing all right? Hey, great to see you guys. Happy Sunday. It is I Do Love Sunday so very much. And a huge thank you to everybody who showed up at Alice. We had a bunch of fun. Um, so if you don't know, we only get this building on Sunday, and this is an amazing blessing here. So most of our midweek stuff happens at Alice, which is a Spanish church over on 64th Street. And they said, hey, and they said it really last minute. They're like, hey, could you guys come and, and we're going to do a cleanup if anybody wants to come and help. And it was really last minute, and you guys showed up and showed off, and we had a bunch of fun. And then we got a few pictures. Um, we just, we blew leaves, and then we blew leaves again, and then, but the wind was going the right direction, so it was, it was, it was great. But we had everybody pitched in and just had fun, and we were a huge blessing to them. Um, we use that building probably more than they do. Like, it is insane. Um, for, for our dream team, like, if you serve on Sunday morning between services, we do breakfast. And that breakfast is being cooked right now at Alice. There's, there's a team that serves, and, and some of those people on that team, they're like, we don't want to be seen, and we'd rather do some back. So they're over there right now, and they're cooking so that the dream teamers in between can get food. And then tonight, we'll be back there with our sixth and eighth grade. They'll be there. And then Tuesday, we'll be there. And then Monday, we'll be there. And if I have random meetings and stuff and premarital counseling and stuff, guess where I do them? I go to Alice, too. They're such a blessing to us. And so thank you guys so much. It was so much fun. It really, really was. And we're diving in to our message here. And we're in this series called Chasing Giants. And but I want to mention one thing before we jump in, and that's it. Let me encourage you this. Let me encourage you to vote. Okay, Tuesday is coming quick, and let me encourage you to vote. Tuesday, we get an opportunity as believers to stand up and to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. And very specifically, the unborn and proposal three, which would, which would make Abortion in, a Mich- in Michigan, a right, a constitutional right, among many other things that it would do. And let me just encourage you, we get the opportunity to stand up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And it doesn't condemn anybody. Um, God can forgive anything and anyone. And let me encourage you, please take the opportunity to vote on Tuesday. All right, with that, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 40. We're looking at a man named Joseph. And Joseph, we've, we've been looking at him for several weeks now, like seven weeks. And we're like, is this a series that never ends? It, there's an end. I don't know when, but we'll find it, okay? There, it is out there. But we're really looking, and I love Joseph's story, because we get to see not just how God used him, but the buildup and what, what happened, how God gave him these dreams when he was 17 years old of, hey, look, this is what's going to be happening. This is a, a glimpse of how I'd like to use you. And then we've got this huge gap because the dreams don't come true until Joseph is 30 years old, 13 years later. But in this gap, what we see is God is preparing Joseph. There's tests, there's battles that he, tests that he passed, there's battles that he defeats, some not the first time around. And the thing is, is you and I, 
we will go through the same thing. Maybe not in the specific order that Joseph did, but God wants to use each and every one of us. He's given dreams and put desires in you, and those desires that he gave you, he wants you to use to build the kingdom of God, to make a difference. But as we move from I have a desire to fulfilling the destiny and the call that God has given us, there's going to be challenges and battles. And some of these that we see for Joseph was, number one, we saw pride. How will you respond to the dream? How will you respond to that desire that God puts inside of you? What will you do with it? And then we saw the pit, and that's how, how will you respond when people and the devil come against what it is that God has put in your heart to do? Then there's the purity test. Will you serve God in private? Do you trust God and that what he has for you is best enough that you'll do it? You'll follow his direction even when nobody else will know. Nobody else will find out. Then there's the prison test, and that's how do you respond when you suffer wrongfully? We saw Joseph get thrown in prison because he was lied about. He was thrown in prison. And so today, we're going to start Genesis 40 with the prophetic test. I didn't say pathetic, prophetic and, and really, we find Joseph, and we talked about it last week, that he was thrown into prison, and he's in prison, but even there, he's still serving God, and as a result, because he is, because he's doing it God's way where he is, not where he wants to be, but where he finds himself, that God's blessing is on him. And as a result, their success is coming to him even when he's in prison. And success is not a destination that we get to, it's fulfilling God's call where we are. And that's where Joseph finds himself. So he's at a place, maybe not where he thought he was going, but there's still success because he's honoring God where he is and God is getting the glory for what he's doing. So he's there. Now while he's in prison, two other people show up in prison. Two other people show up. They're Pharaoh's baker and cupbearer, and they're both thrown in prison. We can kind of guess what was going on, that there was a plot that was discovered. And Pharaoh's like, okay, one of you two tried to kill me, or one of you two were going to try to kill me. Let's throw them both in jail, and we'll sort it out later. Well, Joseph is there, and he's running the prison at this point. He's running the prison. If you're going to be in prison, might as well be the one running it, right? Well, that's the position that he's, he ends up in. And as he's doing this, he notices, which that in itself, to just notice how someone is feeling in prison jumps out at me. It, it, it just jumps out at me. I'm not the most like empathetic person. <laughs> Some of you are laughing. Okay, maybe we've met. I don't know. All right, all right. But I, it just doesn't come. But Joseph is in prison, and he notices that the demeanor of these two men is a little off, I guess. So he says, hey, what's going on? And they answer. They said, each of us had a dream but there's nobody here who can interpret the dream. And Joseph replies, and this is Genesis 40, verse 8, where he says, don't interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. He says, tell me your dreams. So the cupbearer started and told Joseph his dream. Joseph heard the dream, and then Joseph translates, or actually interprets the dream, in verse 12, Joseph replied, this is the interpretation. 
The three branches that you saw are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you did when you were cupbearer. And verse 14 says, but when it goes well for you, please remember me and show me kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh that he might bring me out of this position. For I was kidnapped from my land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing for which I should have been put in this dungeon. Verse 16, when the chief baker, the other guy who had the dream, saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, well, I too had a dream. And what does this mean? So he tells Joseph his dream, and we find that interpretation in verse 19. And he says, within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree. Then the birds will eat the flesh of your body. And on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he held a feast for all of his officials and in their presence, he lifted up the head of the chief baker, the chief cupbearer, and the chief baker. And it happened just as Joseph had said. So here is the, I almost said pathetic. Here is the prophetic test. Here it is. It's how will you respond? How will you respond when God speaks to you? When I say prophetic, here's what I mean. It is a supernatural word from the Lord. A supernatural word from the Lord. How in the world could Joseph have interpreted those dreams? Well, he told us how he was going to do it. He says, do not interpretations belong to the Lord. God spoke through Joseph to those two men. Earlier, we saw the dreams that God had given him was God speaking to Joseph. So the, the prophetic test is how are you going to respond when God speaks to you or through you. And understand this, when it comes to the prophetic, this is not something that is done away with. This is something that we fully believe God does today. And here's, here's, let's look at some scripture as to why. See, Ephesians 4 says this, and he himself, talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So if you believe that the Bible says, yep, you can be a pastor, I do. Most of you probably do because you're here. Most of you are like, I can't have a pastor. They don't usually go to show up at churches. Okay. So, but if we believe that God's like, yep, there's pastors, then we also believe that God's like, yep, there are prophets. And a prophet is somebody who hears from God and then speaks. So this is something that we believe in and is active today, that there's, there is a office, just like there's the office of a pastor, that somebody can be in the office of a prophet. But there's more than just that. 1 Corinthians says this. 1 Corinthians 4 says, let love be your highest goal. Now, this is talking to, this is a letter to the church. He's not talking to one specific, specific uh, group in that church. He says, let love be your highest goal. I think that's good for everybody. And he says this, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. The Bible tells you and I, love should be our highest goal, but we should also desire the special abilities, the things that the Spirit can do in us and through us. And one of them, he's, he points out specifically right here, especially the gift of prophecy, which would be moving in the prophetic, where God speaks to you or through you. 
So this is definitely something that we believe in and that God does still today. He still does this today. So here's the prophetic test. How will you respond when God speaks to you and through you? So let me give you some ways, some things that you can do to make sure that you, you handle and you pass this test. Number one, be careful. Be careful. Um, I think a lot, many people, when they hear God told me, um, or when they say God said, don't realize it, but when the Bible says, do not take the Lord's name in vain, it's not talking about saying, stumping, you know, you hit your finger with something, maybe you smash it, taking an implement off the tractor, I don't know, and then all of a sudden you yell, ah, GD. That, that's not really what it's talking about. Deuteronomy 5.11 says this, and this is the amplified version. It says, you shall not take the Lord, the name of the Lord your God in vain, that is, irreverently or in false affirmations or in ways that impugn the character of God. It's talking about using God's name for your own vain purposes. It's, well, God told me, because when people, when people say that, when, when I say God told me, instantly what follows is on a pedestal that is very hard to be knocked down because God told me. So we need to be very careful that we're not using God's name in vain. Years ago, Becca was in, I think it was Meyer, we were, we, were, we were talking about it. And she had the kids, the kids were little, in the cart, and, and she was pushing them around and, and, and just having fun shopping. And, and this man walks up to her and says, are you, are you a, do you believe in God? And, and she goes, yeah. And he's like, okay, good. This isn't going to sound near as weird then. Um, and yeah, right, like alarm bells should be going off right then and there. Like, this is, this is going to be a story. But uh, she says, okay. And he goes, um, I believe that God told me I'm supposed to marry you. <laughs> and Beck's just like, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. But but she's sitting there, she's got the, 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 the kids are in the cart, they're really little, and she's pushing this around, and I'm like, well, I know why he thought that. I'm like, you're really good looking. I'm like, I mean, I, I get it. But Becca goes, she's like, I don't, I don't think so. He's like, yeah, I, I, I think that's, I, I do. And she's like, mm, no, no. And, and he's like, yeah, I, I think this is God. And she goes, I think my husband's going to have something to say about that. And he goes, but you're not wearing a wedding ring. And she's like, well, I took it off because we rock climb and it's hanging in the car, in the back of the car in a carabiner. I take it off and on all the time. And he's like, oh, and, and then they, that was that. <laughs> Let me tell you what didn't happen, okay? She didn't come home and be like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Like, am I supposed to leave you? Like, this is God said, and I don't know, and the girls, and, and God's leading. And we got to talk about this right now. That did not happen. It was more like, guess what? <laughs> look at this guy said. Like, can you imagine saying that? And I was like, well, yeah, look at you. You're amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, if he had met you at all, you're even ten times. Like, of course I get it, but what was he doing? He was using God's name in vain. 
He was attributing something to God that was not God. And how do I know that that wasn't God? Because God's word will never contradict the word of God. We're already married. What God has joined together, the Bible says, let man not separate. He's like, stay together. He's like, you don't need to. There's, there's, there's reasons you can get a divorce, but there's also reasons you can forgive. And God's like, forgiving is the best and stay together. No, that, I know that's not the will of God. We didn't have to argue about it or think about it or be like, we don't know. Or, or go to counseling because somebody said God said. Because that's somebody using it for their own vain purposes. So this is something that happens today. Yes, God still speaks. But the number one thing that we need to do is we need to be careful. We need to be careful that when we, when God wants to speak through us, that we're careful before we say, God said. That we really pray about it. And the way that we do it is I'll even, when, when I'll get a word that I think is for somebody, I'll be like, hey, um, I think that God is telling me, and I'll say it. And I put think before it. Because I don't, if I get it wrong, most of the time when you say God said, people in many circles are like, oh, well, that's it. And they just want to decide. And they just want to run off and do it. So I'm very, very, we need to be careful. And then the other thing is, just because somebody tells us, God said, that doesn't mean we swallow what follows hook, line, and sinker. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're like, well, that's what God said, and God told them, and they didn't know me, and they just walked up to me at random and said this. You know, it can be kind of fun when people do when they get it right, but when they get it wrong, and here's the deal, it can be wrong. The guy in the grocery store was wrong. So we need to evaluate. And this is number two. If you believe God is speaking to you or through you, or even somebody is coming and giving a word to you as well, we evaluate. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says this. Let two or three people prophesy. Like, okay, this is how we're supposed to do it. And let others evaluate what is said. It's not immediately so high that we hold it up and we're like, well, that's it. Somebody said God said, so there it is. God's word says that we are to evaluate. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 29. That when they prophesy, yeah, people can prophesy, but we are to evaluate. And evaluating something is you look at it and you weigh it. And we look at the scripture and we say, well, what is this? And, and is this right? Because there's people who get it wrong. And sometimes it's because their heart's in the right place and they just miss it and they get it wrong. And sometimes their heart's in the wrong place and they're just evil and they're trying to do bad things. There's evil people out there. We don't like to think about it, but there are. There's a story, an account in 1 Kings where God comes to a man, a prophet, and says, go tell the king he's doing wrong and go tell him this is what's going to happen. So the man of God goes, he travels down, he goes to the king. You're going to find this in your Bibles in 1 Kings 13. And he shows up to King Jeroboam. And he shows up as Jeroboam is standing at the altar. And he says, look, God's not pleased with you. He's going to show it. You're, 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 you're um, sacrificing and making a sacrifice on this altar. 
He's like, God's going to take you down, and this is how you're going to know. He's like, the altar's going to split in two, and human bones are going to be burned on it to desecrate it, that it would never be used like this again. And the king looks at the man of God, points at him, and, tell, and says, grab this man. I'm paraphrasing. And when he does, the Bible says that his hand just like all cramped up, froze up, messed up, and he couldn't move his hand. And so the king's like, hey, please pray for me that I can move my hand. Like, what's going on here? So the man of God prays, and sure enough, King Jeroboam can move his hand. And at that moment, the altar splits in half, just like the man of God had said. And so off he goes. He does. He, he had delivered the word, and so now he's on his way home. Well, word gets out pretty quick about what, it, what had happened. And he's not even back yet. And in 1 Kings 13, verse 15, here's what we find. That a man heard what happened and is like, I got to go find this man of God. I got I to find him. I want to talk to him. So he goes and he catches up with him. 1 Kings 13, 15. Then he said to the man of God, come home with me and eat some food. No, I cannot, he replied. I'm not allowed to eat or drink anything here in this place. For the Lord gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you're in this place, and do not return to Judea by the same way that you came. But the old prophet answered, I am a prophet too, just as you are. And an angel gave me this command from the Lord. Bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. But what is, how does the verse end? But the old man was lying to him. There are people who will just lie. And here, here's something that I, I absolutely feel that every one of us, and I get caught in this as well, is put yourself in this guy's shoes, in the, in the man of God. We don't have his name. And I love that they're all like, it was just a man of God. You don't even need to know his name. It was a man of God. I'm like, that's good enough right there. He goes, he, does, he, he delivers a word like God told him to. And right then and there, God shows up and does exactly what he said would happen. He's on his way home. And now somebody else shows up and says, I too am a man of God. I am a prophet. And this is what an angel said to me. The more sure that we are of something the more we need to pray. What we don't see happen is we don't see the actual man of God pray to confirm that this, because it goes against what God had already told him to do. He said, I'm not allowed to stay or eat or drink anything, and now you're telling me to stay and eat and drink. He doesn't say, he, he doesn't pray. Instead, he goes with this man. Let me just say this, the more sure that we are of something, the more that we need to pray, the more that we need to check. Somebody gives, walks up and gives you a word from the Lord, and it, you're like, yes, I'm so excited about that. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. The more you need to check it. And how do we check it? We're getting into it. But number one is a word from the Lord will not disagree with the word of the Lord, and that's the word of God. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important that we know, and I love the word on your heart challenge that we do here at church, where it's like, you need the word of God in your heart so that when people say something, when stuff comes up, that, that you're like, wait a second, but the Bible also says. 
Because wait a minute, what, what, what does God's word say? Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It's knowing. We need to know what the word of God says. So we need to evaluate what it is. Does, does the word line up with the word of God? Acts 17, verse 11 says this. It says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than, the, than those of Thessalonica, if I'm even saying that right. For they received the message with great eagerness, and then they examined the scriptures every day. So they daily examined the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. So Paul, the apostle, shows up. And one of the things that we know about Paul, as you read through Acts, is he shows up, and he doesn't just preach and draw a crowd. He shows up, he's preaching, there's a crowd, but there's miracles and signs and wonders following like crazy. But what does it say about the Thessalonians? No, the, the Bereans? They were more noble than the Thessalonians? That they checked the word of God daily to see if what Paul said was true. The number one way that we check a word is we look in the word. Is it true? The next way that we check, 2 Corinthians 13.1. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter is to be established out of the testimony, the witness of two or three. That one person off the cuff saying something. It's let every word be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. There's some things that somebody comes up and they say, and they're like, hey, by the way, um, you need to switch. God is telling me to tell you that you need to switch where your kids are going to school. Um, they need to go um, to this other school because this is where the this, this teacher's going to do great things. This is what God's telling you, and they leave. I can't. That could be really helpful. Or it could be like, well, how do I check that in the Word? How, how do I check that in the Word of God? If somebody comes up and tells me that, I can tell you exactly what I'm going to do. All right, God, if that's you, your Word says, let everything be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So I'm not moving on that until you give me two or three witnesses that confirm exactly what that is. I can't go to your Word. There's nowhere in the Bible that it says, this is the school and this is the teacher that your kids need to be at. I don't have that. But if it's God, God's word says that everything will be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So God's going to do that. One of those witnesses could be Becca. Absolutely. She's like, yep, I already feel that. If she's like, you know, I'm not feeling that yet either, then, then I'm telling you what I'm going to do, which is I'm going to wait until God establishes that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. And two might be enough, but if it goes in contrary to something that I'm feeling already, I'm like, God, you're going to need to give me three. Your, your word says two or three. So before I move on this, this is, is contrary to what I would feel. And God, I'm open to doing your thing. Man, I pray all the time. God, I've made plans, but I surrender them to you. And we do, we make plans. But we surrender them to God. And I'm like, God, I'm going to surrender them to you. But this is, if it's going to be contrary to something that I feel, oh my God, then confirm this in me so that I can do it. Because understand this, you and I are meant to have a relationship with God. He did not come and die so that we could just go to heaven. One of the things that God does is he speaks to you and me. He wants to speak to you and through you. We are all going to have to pass this prophetic test where we realize somebody can get it wrong and people can get it right. 
but that God does speak. The Bible tells us do not despise prophecy, that we need to be open to it, but that we give it the weight that it's meant to, that God's, a word from God will not contradict the word of God, that something that, that we're going to check, that we're meant to hear the prophecy and then to evaluate. That we can find some, some believers, maybe it's somebody in our small group, and we're like, hey, um, this is what somebody said to me. Does this, uh, does this seem awfully weird to you? What is this? Does anybody else feel anything like this? I don't, I don't know what it would be. Maybe you come to some people at church that's leading your group, and like, what about this? But you need some mature believers that can help you see where in Scripture it says stuff, I've been studying scripture my entire life, whether I wanted to or not, and there's so much I don't know in it. There's so much I don't know. I call, there's times I can't find a verse, and I'll, I'll call my, I'm like, Dad, I'm looking for this verse, and he doesn't answer, so I call one of my brothers, and I'm like, hey, hey, I'm looking for this one. And sometimes I'll send out a text in a group to a couple of my brothers, and I see which one answers fastest. Because I find that's the way to get them to compete because we're so, then I, I, I get the, a really quick response. Other times, I wait until dad's going to stop by, and I'm like, hey, what about this? Or if I'm really like, okay, I've got that opinion, but I want another one, I've got a few other pastors that have said, hey, I'll take your calls if you ever need something. Anytime I can, know that I will. And so I run it by them, and I'm like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. The bigger the move, absolutely, you get that confirmed. When we were, when God spoke to my heart about starting Life West, it was going to be a huge change, a huge switch. I talked to Beck, and at first she said, mm, yeah, have fun. And God spoke to her, and then together, we went to people of the faith that we trust, we scheduled meetings, we sat down, we shared our heart, and we said, do you think this is God? One of the couples that we met with, I specifically wanted to meet with him because he was really abrasive. I'm like, he will not be afraid to tell me, don't do this. He will not be afraid. And honestly, of everybody that we met with, he was like one of the, I think it was like the second or third one. He wasn't, he wasn't the first, he wasn't the last, but I was kind of like, I'm really feeling that this is, and what if he says no? And like, what's this gonna be? And we're sitting there and he's asking me these questions, and I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, we feel this. He's like, well, where your giftings are and what God been doing in your heart. And, and at the end, he's like, oh yeah. And more than anybody else that we met with, I was kind of like, oh. Okay, I didn't miss it. Because we need people. We need people in our life that can do it. But understand this. God wants to speak to you and through you. I gave you scriptures. God speaks to us and through us. But that doesn't mean that we just, whatever God, somebody says, after a God said that we follow, we evaluate it. We evaluate it with God's word. We bring it to spiritual believers and we say, does this line up? Do you feel this? If it's something that we can't check, God doesn't tell us which house to buy. I wish he did. I can't check that in scripture. He can speak it to your heart, but I can't, I can't find that verse. I love just finding the verse because it's like finality right there. Here we go. Let's look at it together. But when those aren't there, 
two or three witnesses, God will confirm it. It's not the same person, by the way, two or three times. Just so you know, that's not it. It's two or three witnesses. It's different witnesses. It's different. They'll often be out of the same circle, and it's not going to be the same one coming up and, and saying that same thing. God wants to speak to you. There's questions that you have. God wants to answer them. And he can do it in his word. That's the number one way God speaks to you. If you're here and you're like, man, this is great. I love this prophetic stuff. And man, yeah, I, I want God to speak to me. Let me just tell you this. The number one way God speaks to his people is through the word of God. I was wondering about this church thing. One of the things that was really bothering me, I knew God was leading me to do it. I felt it. But one of the things that really bothered me was the last two years. Because the last two years, I felt like God had led us to, one, leave a really good job to go clean toilets. And we did it. And then we were there for a very short time. And we left again. We left there. My, I'd been at my previous job for 14 and a half years. I don't just jump around. But I found myself, I jumped around, went and helped my brother-in-law for a little over a year. I felt God say, that isn't it. And then I started my own business. And I was like, God, you're wanting me to do this. But let me just say, I wouldn't believe me if I told me that this was you doing this. And I was like, and more than that, I wouldn't support me financially. And I know this is going to take some money to start anything. It always takes more at the beginning. And we had looked into it, and we had decided it was going to be around $300,000 that we needed to raise. And I was like, that was the thing that was getting me. I was like, but look at where I, what, am I bouncing around? I was like, ugh. But guess what? I was just doing that thing that I do almost every day, which is just reading the Bible. And one of the things that I read almost every day is the proverb for the day. I opened up to Proverbs, I think it was 24. I'm reading along, and wouldn't you know, there was a verse in there that I swear was not in there before. I'm like, this was not in there. I've never seen this. I've read Proverbs probably thousands of times. And a verse was there that had never been there before, and it said this. If the Lord directs a man's steps, how can he understand his own way? And I read that, and I just mic it was like, it was like God just did a mic drop, like boom, there you go, buddy. What are you gonna do with that? And I was like, I'm in. It settled it in my heart with finance, just right then and there. I was like, it's done. I was like, God, I don't have to worry. I don't have to, well, what is this, God? I'm not gonna worry about the way that you're taking me. I'm gonna take the step you put in front of me. I was like, here we go. The number one way God leads you is going to be in his word. And let me just say this. If you're like, man, I've got some things and I would really love for God. I, I, it's not in the word. And I really would love for God to speak to me about. Number one, I'll tell you this. Yes, God speaks. So ask him. But number two, don't expect God to speak a special word when you ignore his word. Be in the word. Yeah, absolutely. Ask God. He does. He'll speak to you and he'll speak through you and he'll have others speak. He'll speak through them for you as well. But if you're ignoring God's word, 
don't expect it. Because you're ignoring what he's given you and saying, God, I don't want that. I want something else, please. Because he will. He'll lead you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. We have his word. And he does speak today to our hearts, to our minds, to us, and through us. I hope you pass this prophetic test. That you're open. That you don't despise prophecy. That the minute somebody says God said, and maybe you've seen it abused. And you're like, well, they, they, I'm totally turned off to that because I saw the way that it worked over here and that was bad. It may have been. But if God says, this is how I speak and what I do, let me just challenge you this. Be open to what God has for you and the way that God wants to lead you. Be open to it. Because he has great things in store for you. He's given you gifts and talents, put you in places you have abilities and influences that God wants to use to make a difference in this world. Those questions that you're asking, he wants to answer. He wants to show you where it is in his word. He wants to show you his heart. We encourage you to ask. When the word comes, we don't just swallow it. We evaluate. We get it. It's established by two or three witnesses. And then we take steps. Would you bow your heads and would you pray? God, we thank you for your word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, God. God, so many of us are here today with questions. If you're here today and you say, you know, there's, there's something that I need God to speak to me about. I would love some direction, some clarity. Maybe it's business, maybe it's family, maybe it's personal, maybe it's health. A decision that you need to make. And you're like, I would love God, to speak to me. I need to hear some direction from him. I'd love to pray for you. If that's you, just lift your hand. You're like, I'm needing some direction. Awesome. All right, God, I just, I thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And God, your word says that you speak, that your children hear your voice and a stranger they will not follow. God, those that just lifted their hands, God, you know the situation, you know the question. I ask God that you would you would speak to them, that you would bring clarity, that you would confirm the questions that they have, that they can move forward in your peace as you lead and guide them in all that we do. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here this morning, I want to give you an opportunity because I don't know. Do you know where you stand with God? Are you ready to meet him? Are you right now fulfilling the plan that he has for you? Is tomorrow just going to be another Monday? Or is it going to be another opportunity for you to fulfill the call that God has put on your life? If you say, I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to know. Or maybe you say, today I just need to go all in. I've backslidden, I've done some things, or I've been tiptoeing, but today I'm going all in. If you're either of those in this room, online, listening, wherever you are, it would be the honor of my life to lead you in prayer. Because the Bible says if we confess with our mouth, that's we speak it out loud, that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. You can be forgiven, set free, and begin to start your journey to fulfill the call and the purpose that God has for you. If that's you, 
the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and write in your seat. We're going to pray. Wherever you are, get ready. One, two, three. Say, that's me, and today is my day. Lift it high. All right, let's pray with those that lifted your hands online, wherever you are. Out loud, let's just all pray this together. Say, oh God, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. I believe that you died, that you shed your blood for me. From now on, I'm yours. I'm all in with everything I've got. God, I'm yours. Thank you for making me your own. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.